0: It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner.
1: Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the weekly potpourri edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor with Rick Broering. And each week, we look at sports topics of local interest, uh, some of national interest perhaps. We got a betting segment, and my favorite segment of the podcast comes at the end where you can ask me a question on any topic. It's with the hashtag AskSkinnyAnything. Rick, I want to know this one question this morning before we get going with the podcast are you rick Roaring ready to rule the jungle
0: i think i'm are I, you gonna, I think i'm running on my own gas for sure i know that are you ready to rule the jungle in your new stripes
1: because it, guess what guess what we didn't we didn't seize the day and i think we all forgot that it was a new day so well, just remember that at all times
0: i was just gonna say is it a new day or is it the same day or is <laughs> it who day <laughs>
1: It could be who day time to rule the jungle. I, nope. I've had enough of the catch. Can, you, can we stop with the catchphrases? Can we please just stop? Please.
0: No. What's on second?
1: No, That's right. That's a good point. I don't know. Hey, third base. I got it. All right. We got a lot to get, a lot to, get to. So take it away, my man.
0: Skinny. We were all excited about the possibilities of what was ahead heading into last weekend series against the Brewers. But since then, nothing has gone right for the Reds, who are one in five since the all star break. Things went from bad to worse on Wednesday when Nick Castellanos revealed during an Instagram live with Chris Rose that he has a microfracture in his right wrist after being hit by a pitch in the July 16th game against the Brewers and will be out for an undetermined length of time. Castellanos said he's probably 50% right now and can't currently swing a bat. He said he's, quote, going to take a couple days just to see where he's at. Skinny of the Reds toast at this point. Sitting six and a half games back of the Brewers in the NL Central and six back of the Padres for the wild card,
1: they're not toast. But I don't think it's coincidence that they're one in five without Nick Castellanos in the lineup. Um, yeah, some of that's got to do with pitching. He certainly doesn't pitch, um, but you know he's, he was certainly the best player. We mentioned it last week. I think he was. We talked about how he's got a great chance for for winning the maybe the MVP in the National League if something happened to Jacob Degrom and Fernando Tatis Jr. And lo and behold, something happened to Jacob Degrom. And now something's happened to Nick Castellanos. Um, yeah, they're up against it for sure. I, I, I will say this, and, and I, I don't know the ins and outs of all of this, but David Bell made it sound like it was only going to be a couple of days. That's what their initial diagnosis was. So they didn't put him on the DL. He comes out then in a podcast and said, yeah, I had a CAT scan and it's a microfracture. What, what's going on here? Well, also.
0: And, and so you're short-handed you know-
1: shorthanded for a few days without the guy?
0: Do you remember when he pinch hit? The other day in extra innings yeah, and took a one sp- out of the ballpark. Yeah, one-handed swing and apparently had a microfracture and he's at 50% and came six feet away from hitting out of the park.
1: Yeah, but, but what are we doing though? I mean, uh, right. What took so long for this diagnosis, I guess.
0: That that is my question as well. I mean, I know sometimes swelling and stuff, it's tough to get a great picture on sure x-rays, and sometimes it goes down, you can see a little bit more, whatever. But like I'm with you. What what's going on here and, and how do we go from we're using him in, in a extra innings game to, oh, he's not going to be right for a few days. And how, how much longer is the few days going to be? I mean, are we, are we really talking like, you know, right. in two I mean, or three days, he's going to be back to playing or in two to three days, it's not going to hurt like hell anymore. And he can start gripping his hand again.
1: Yeah. And guess what? You, you know, you got to IL him now to the extra inning game. If you're going to do it, you could have done it retroactive to last Friday. And um, instead, now you can only retroactive it to that extra inning game. What are we
0: doing? Skinny, you know, obviously Jeff Hoffman pitches on Wednesday and gives up five runs, but in the first couple of innings there really never gave the Reds a chance. That's drawn a lot of criticism. Where are you at on the pitching situation and what they're doing right now?
1: Yeah. I, I don't get the whole six man thing. I, I don't, I, I know this is a year where we're kind of uncharted waters of, uh, you know, coming off the shortened season and, and, you know, guys around the league kind of dropping like flies. Um, I, I know it's easy to attribute that to the truncated season last year into th- this being a full season. Again, I don't know if I buy that. I think a lot of it is just guys, guys, you know, maxing out their effort. A lot of times causing injuries.
0: Um, don't forget I, I, the sticky stuff.
1: Yeah, and, and, and I think there's, I, I, it's hard not to say there's some truth to that. I mean, you're right. Um, uh, you know, did, did, did that, is that leading to some guys getting hurt as well? Um, especially max effort guys looking for maximum spin rate. I, I don't get, I, I still don't get the six man concept, though. I mean, look, I don't want to go back to the old school days of I used to be a four man rotation. Okay, it hasn't been a four man for a long time, but five day, five man rotations have been around for a long time. You're, you're coming into a week this week where, you know, you needed a win desperately, um, you know, in this series with the Mets. You had a day off today. So other than Tyler Malley, everybody else is going to get an extra day off as it was. I, I don't know. what, what do we, do we, Are we trying to outsmart ourselves with the six-man rotation? And, and I, I do. There's a part of me that gets a little bit of it of, I don't, you know, I don't want to burn my guys out. But I think to a fault, one of the, one of the major criticisms i have of david bell is he doesn't stick with his starters long enough he babies them too much okay well that's bought him some maybe extra innings out of these guys or or extra starts out of these guys and instead of doing that you're gonna baby him even further by putting a sixth guy in there who has no business being in the rotation to begin with what are we
0: doing i think continuously running out guys like jeff hoffman and cnl perez this year is actually what's made me most frustrated about this team and this organization. And I understand a big reason they're doing that is because they didn't do anything in the offseason and they haven't, you know, they, they went the cheap route with the bullpen and all of that. But I I still think even after all of that and the situation they've put themselves in, and the fact that they didn't spend money and there was no investments made in the offseason, and they cut payroll, I could still swallow it easier if we Didn't have to see a guy like CNL Perez multiple times brought up and down. If we didn't have to see Jeff Hoffman get brought back after he clearly couldn't one throw strikes or two get major league hitters out the first time that he was up here or the second time that he was like that's what's bothered me the most is okay, you didn't do anything, okay, you're gonna be cheap this year, you don't have a lot of options. Quit sending out the guys that are a joke that we already know can't cut it. At least give us something else. Like uh, Santian Gutierrez, those guys were at least something new. They at least showed some promise. Throwing up a guy like Jeff Hoffman again, what does that do for you or anyone else? And especially what does it do for the players out there that are busting their butt every night trying to make a run at this thing? Or the fans that are in the stands trying to believe in you? What type of message does that send when you bring Jeff Hoffman back out?
1: That's a great question. I I, I, I I don't know what anybody sees in him. And, and you know, people can throw at me that he pitched in Colorado, but he didn't make every start in Colorado. He's, he's got a career ERA of over six, man. Come on.
0: At yeah, what point not, is enough enough?
1: I, at what point is enough enough? He was a former first-round pick. I get that. Um, you feel like he's got some arm talent, but he he nibbles. And when he doesn't nibble, his stuff gets slaughtered. So what? what why? And, and the other part, you had Tyler Malley on normal rest. It wasn't like in you know, Tyler Mally's last start, he went nine innings and threw 147 pitches. I might give you that to go to a six guy at that point. He pitched his normal game.
0: Well, yeah, you, you're, you're, you're going to six-man if, rotation. You trying to you
1: can't find five pitchers. What are we trying to get six for? Correct. I That's the part that I just don't understand. I, I really don't understand it. Um, and I'm telling you, it's not going to be easy to make up six and a half games, especially when you only got three more head-to-head with him.
0: No, well, I mean, especially when Nick Castellanos is now out for a few more, it seems like, if not several more. Who knows? Yeah, several more, right? Yeah, I I mean, I just, it feels like, you know, and I I don't want to be overly dramatic because I know everyone is right now. You're still only a week's worth of games out, but I think that's also overlooking the fact that what was exciting about coming out of the All Star break was you had those shots against the Brewers head to head. I know you can right. make up some games, you know, but this was a chance to get it down to a manageable deficit of that's cor- two, that's three, four games. And part of the reason that was so important is because this team has proven they're probably not going to make up six or seven or eight games in a short amount of time against the team. So the the, the way that they could get it down to a manageable deficit of just a handful of games would would get them in that position. That was important. Now that it's still a the same place that they've basically been uh, of more than a week's worth of games to make up. That just doesn't seem likely for a team that's constructed this way that has the lack of pitching that has the lack of bullpen. And obviously that's dealing with the injuries that they're dealing with now. I mean, I, I don't think it's being over the top to feel like the reds are pretty much done right now in terms of competing. It's not to say that it's impossible for them, but based on the way everything is pointing and the way everything is going right now, they really missed an important window, and I don't think that's being unreasonable or being too much of a fan or living and dying with every pitch. I think that's a pretty accurate read on the situation right now. The odds were pretty long to begin with, even at the All-Star break, and they needed to make some ground up right here in this little spot. They certainly didn't need an injury to Nick Castellanos and, and the pitching situation that they're in right now.
1: Have we seen Nick Castellanos take his last at bat with the Reds?
0: I mean, you you have to think there's a very good chance, right? They, they've got to be looking at everything they can to ship him in a trade deal right now.
1: Yeah, correct. I, I, I mean, I, I think that's absolutely true. Um, and we'll talk a little more about this next week because we'll be closer to the trade deadline just a few days away and look at some other guys. But I'm, I'm wondering if, if if we haven't seen the, the, the last Nick Cance, in a Reds uniform.
0: And this is probably a little bit too big picture. We'll talk more about this going forward. But it feels like at this point, Skinny, what's the plan? We're just waiting for Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo. Like, where's this go even for next uh, that's, year? That's, I don't see the path forward question. right now, other than that they're just hold, folding their arms going, hopefully Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo are really good in a couple of years.
1: Yeah, I mean, or you can get a haul for a Castellanos, um, or whoever else you you opt to maybe deal. Um, but that haul would, would likely be prospects that probably aren't ready for next year. Maybe they are. I don't I mean it, it's hard to say that, but um, I think you have to make some really good baseball decisions here. And one of those baseball decisions, I think is going to involve moving to Castellanos.
0: I think so too. But thinking about that, I just don't see a way that next year's team is better. No than agreed. This team now. So it's like, really? I mean, what, what was the plan here for this? Well, and, I, and, I, and I, window after you spent all that money last year, you just went out, you had one sixty game season and now you have nothing left to show from all of that.
1: Yeah, and I go back to I think I think Dick Williams stepping aside was just a major red flag. I said it at the time. Yep. I think now that you look back, he knew it was coming. Um, I think his stance was I got a family business to go to. I'm not going to do this again. I I Agreed. busted my ass to try to get this thing rebuilt. Now you're going to tell me to slash payroll. I'll uh-uh, see you later.
0: Mm, I think you're exactly right.
1: Well, I think at this point, honestly, and, and I, you know, there's a lot of easy bashing of Bob Castellini. But at this point, if you're not all in, get out. I mean, if you if you this is the way it's good. Just, just honestly put the team up, let somebody else come by it.
0: Well, I think a lot of people feel the same as you in that regard right now. So, well, that's probably enough on the red subject. We'll continue to talk about that as the season goes on and winds down and we approach the trade deadline and everything, but that's where we're at right now. Let's switch gears here and talk about some news that just got announced today. As we're recording this on Thursday, the Bengals ring of honor, the Bengals announced Ken Anderson and Ken Riley will join Paul Brown and Anthony Munoz in the inaugural Ring of Honor class. So, Skinny, that brings up the question. Now that we know who those first four guys are, we've had some good conversation about this, but it really makes it interesting. Now, who are the next guys that get in now that we know that's going to be Anderson and Riley, the two Kens, joining Munoz and Brown?
1: Yeah. And I guess the question is, is the next class a four member class as well? I'm assuming it is. That seems like the number they've settled on. You know, they, they, they opted to put, you know, uh, Paul Brown and, and Anthony Munoz in themselves and then left this up to the fan vote. Yeah. I mean, who are the next four? Um, I think Chad's got to be one of those guys. I think Willie Anderson's probably one of those guys. My guy, Lamar Parrish, I think, in my opinion, has to be one of those guys. Um, and I've always said it. I mean, he was an original Bengal. He was the first draft pick in, in team history. He was a long time starting center. He was a starting center on several playoff teams. I think Mr. Bengal, Bob Johnson has to be that fourth guy. You can make a case for Corey Dillon.
0: Yeah, I think all of those guys are, I mean, Chad Johnson to me is, is easy. And I think there's gotta be looking at the fact that they decided to go with Ken Riley and Ken Anderson, which were good decisions. We we've, talked about both of those names a lot when discussing this i think the next group has to have some connection to the younger fans you know because everyone at this point is a connection that's what i'm saying and that's why i'm saying chad is going to be almost a shoe-in i would assume for this next group
1: yeah no i I would agree with that but I, i do i've gone back to the whole when i was surmising these rings of honor over the last few years. And we were, you know, those of us were writing columns, pushing for it um, and discussing it. I always thought a 10 member class was the one for me. And and um, I, I do think there's something to be said for honoring some of the older guys who deserve to be in and should go in before they pass. Right. Um, and I'm not here to tell you, I think I think Chad should I, I'm with you. I think Chad should be a shoe-in. In fact, when you and I discussed who would we vote for, these were my two, and it was an easy two, although Lamar Parish was close for me. But Ken Riley's passing kind of crystallized the fact that, yeah, it's time to honor this guy. Um uh you made a case for Chad, it's a right case to make. I mean, the, he splashed all over the record books for, for a good reason. So yeah, I think he's the shoe in but I, I I got no problem with some of the older guys getting in. Um, before they pass, I'd love to see them get honored in, in the way they should be honored. I, I just I hate that, that eight, nine, ten years later after somebody passes, oh, yeah, now let's put them in. Well, great. It's great for the legacy of the family, but I, I think the person needs to be able to celebrate that if they can.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree with that for sure. You mentioned Corey Dillon as the name. What about James Brooks? Do you have Dillon or Brooks on top as well, the James, project?
1: Um, that's a great one. I mean, James Brooks is a good one, too. Um, He's probably the best all-around back in team history. The, the, the thing for me that's odd is James Brooks was, was just a consistently good player in both areas as a pass cat. Well, three areas. He was a great blocker as well. Corey Dillon, though, I could also make an argument for him being a Hall of Famer. And so if I'm making a case for him as a Hall of Famer, and some of that obviously due to him winning a ring and, and having some success in New England after he left here, I think I got to push for him over James Brooks. And I love me some James Brooks. I, I'm with you. That's a great name. I love James Brooks. He was a key member of some really good teams, including a Super Bowl
0: team. A couple other names that I know we've talked about a little bit, but I've heard brought up from outsiders more, like when I'm listening to talk radio and town and stuff like that. Uh, Chris Collinsworth is a name that seems to get a lot mm-hmm. of play from outsiders, and I it seems like you haven't been as high on on Collinsworth. Yeah, I, I think, yeah,
1: Chris, a good player, and obviously had thousand yard, a couple thousand yard seasons. He was, had a thousand yard season as a rookie. It was on a super was on two Super Bowl teams. Technically, he wasn't a big part of that second Super Bowl team. Um, I think I'd put Isaac Curtis ahead of him and I'm not so sure. I don't put Carl Pickens ahead of him. And I, I you know, that pains me to say that.
0: Yeah. You're a big Carl Pickens fan. Yeah uh, <laughs> The the other name that I've heard a lot and obviously a special connection to the fan base with him still being involved is Dave Lapham. Where do you think he's at?
1: Yeah. I, I, I think that it depends on Dave was a very good player, but never was an all pro never was a pro bowler was a starter for a long time, started on that first Super Bowl team. But personally, I think Lap is, is – the, the way Lap gets in is probably as a combination player and then um, for what he's done as a broadcaster and his connection to the team for such a lengthy period of time. But I I think I shoved that down the road just a bit, and I, 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 I say that with all reverence because, I mean, Lap obviously has been, to a large degree, he's been Mr. Bengal. I mean, if you think Bengals. If you said somebody to associate five names with the Bengals, he'd probably be one of the first five you'd say. But just from a sheer playing perspective, um, again, I, I don't know if his, his credentials qualify just as a player. If you want to do it as a combo and, and, and you want to do it that way, I, I might give you that.
0: Yeah, and I think that's part of what's helping him, you know, in, in the public image is that, the fact that he's, just been so synonymous with the team and the fan base for so long now and, and still remained a part of it. And like you said, just kind of missed. And it Bengals. wasn't that he wasn't a good player, right? No. Yeah. yeah. And he's he was good a good too. player.
1: I mean, he started for a long time. He, he just never was a great player, I guess, or at least yeah. recognized as one.
0: Yeah. But uh, he was Bengals man of the year at one point. So I don't know what there that means, well, but was that. he was Bengals man of the year. Um, I I I think I would go I think I would settle on Chad, Willie Anderson, and then I think I could be talked into Corey Dillon or James Brooks as the top running back to go in, but I think one of those two guys would definitely go in and then I don't know. I I would. Well, Lamar Parish was Lamar Parish. Lamar Parish was better than Ken Riley. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Lamar Parrish was
1: a better football player than Ken Riley.
0: I was going to say, I think that's where I would love Ken Riley is is Lamar Parish for me, especially because I'm going Chad Johnson. So I don't you know, I think maybe I'll wait another year for Isaac Curtis to get in at that point.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's probably right.
0: Yeah. So so you go Lamar Parish. I think that that would be my floor right there.
1: Yeah, I, I will say this. You're not going to be scraping the bottom of the barrel for classes for some time to come. And by the time we get to circulating through all the guys we're talking about, you're then going to get back around to the A.J. Greens and the and the, and the Geno Atkinses. Um, you know, you're going to get back to some of the guys that are retiring in, in this kind of era of football. So uh, they, they've got they've got a lot of catching up to do. I will tell you that. There's a lot of catching up to do.
0: All right. From NFL to college football, this is coming from Yahoo Sports. Latest news is, is college football headed for another round of conference realignment. The answer to that question may not be an unequivocal no. After a Wednesday report from the Houston Chronicle, the paper reported that big 12 stalwarts Texas and Oklahoma had reached out to the sec about possibly joining the conference. The news leaked during sec media day and no one there confirmed or denied the reports for that matter. Skinny, what are your thoughts on Texas and Oklahoma potentially joining the SEC and the impact that would have on Kentucky and Cincinnati?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's a real possibility. I mean, you're talking about potentially, you know, each team going from getting $44 million to $60 million if those two teams come into the league and, and may, that number may even go higher depending on media rights moving forward. It also though has to test to pass a vote of those in the conference um and for sure texas a&m would be against it i would assume missouri which also broke away for the big 12 for a reason would probably be against it and then maybe some of the lesser lights might be against it you know maybe kentucky's against it maybe south carolina's against it you know they're already hmm, facing sure up battles in the league from a football perspective anyway sure so you, you want to add two more powers and make it even harder on us just for the almighty dollar now the almighty dollar speaks and i think i would also put when push comes to shove I think probably the only center would be Texas A&M, and understandably so. They wanted to be kind of the outlier there in the state of Texas and break away from the Texases, Texas and Oklahoma and, uh, for, for good reason. But I, I can see it happen. I mean, it, it, it's felt like this is going – it's felt for a long time like we're headed for four super conferences, and that's going to be about it.
0: Skinny, you're telling me about the the wrong teams here when you're telling me who's not going to like it. I don't care what South Carolina and Kentucky have to say about it. My question is, what do Alabama and Georgia and Florida and LSU have to say about it? Those are the teams that are going to tell you whether or not they're getting in. Yeah, and that's a
1: good point, too. I mean, do you want to face, you're already bashing heads at the top of the list. Do you want to bash heads with two more?
0: Yeah, that's a
1: legitimate point. I'd be curious to know what Nick Saban and Alabama
0: feel about that.
1: Well, yeah, but when push comes to shove, and the eighties and the school presidents talk, and they say we're going to get sixteen more million dollars per year into our coffers, let's swallow hard and do it. That's yeah, what it's going to come down to. You know that as well as anybody.
0: And that's that's what it, it's all about. I just I'm curious for Texas how that works out financially in their favor because there's a lot to consider here if you're Texas. One Texas isn't that good right now. No, that's they haven't a won fact. a Big Twelve since what 2010 2009 yeah, at this it, point? it's been a while they can't find a coach and the other thing about it is they're really uniquely positioned in the sense that they have that mega fan base like an Alabama kind of does but they are in the big 12 which is the only mega conference that doesn't have its own TV network so right, they, the, got the, Long,
1: they got they got longhorn network
0: right that I I can't imagine they're gonna be able to take that with them to the SEC when you have the SEC network so how exactly does that all? work out and the rights that it just seems hard for me to believe that texas is doing something that's good for their brand in the long term giving up the longhorn network and putting themselves in a position where hey they're not really winning to begin winning to begin with right now now you're going to be competing with alabama still competing with oklahoma georgia Texas A&M? Well, well, part, of me wonders, well part of me
1: wonders about Oklahoma, too, because they've ruled the Big 12, and yet when they get in the college football playoffs, they get the doors blown off. I mean, right. From a competitive standpoint, is this going to help them?
0: No, that's a good point. And it almost certainly isn't going to help Oklahoma from a competitive standpoint, but I can, you know, we're talking the almighty dollar. It seems like for everyone else, there's the obvious draw of the money. For Texas, I really don't know long-term if, I mean, I guess if you're telling me they're all going to make 16 more million than they do now, maybe, maybe that's the truth. I just, right. it seems like for Texas, long term and their brand, and they've got so much money already coming in, their path would just be to to be good in the Big 12 right now and <laughs> and keep it where it is. But maybe that's not true. Maybe joining the SEC would still mean ultimately more money and still mean good things for the university. It just, man, that just seems like an absolute bloodbath to. You know, if you're Alabama, you're going to keep winning. I'm, I don't think they're as concerned right. about it. But if you're a, a, like a team like Texas who really has struggled and really hasn't been able to find traction with a good, solid coach, how does this make sense to join a conference like this right now? uh agreed um and granted this is years down the way still but not
1: not many years because there's talk of this occurring before the, the the big 12 media rights would be up in 2025 to which actually technically oklahoma and texas no school can leave the big 12 before that but you could also get to the point where oklahoma and texas go sue us go ahead yeah. we don't care good, good luck to you it's 2024 we've got one more year on it we'll pay, we'll pay the difference have a good day um now, you asked the other part of the question Was how does this affect Kentucky and Cincinnati? Right. I, I don't think it does anything to Kentucky. I mean, they're already at the bottom. I, 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 I should, they, are, they are what they are. They're a seven-win team, and I don't think this is going to change any of that. They'll, they'll have an occasional, hopefully, blip of the radar like a couple of years ago when they you know, won double-digit games and they'll have a, a sink every once in a while. It's not going to change anything basketball. It's still a national program. It doesn't matter who's in the, in the league or not in the league. Um, it's always been a national program, and you would think it would continue to be. So I don't think it affects Kentucky at all. For UC, though, I mean, I guess it opens the door to the Big Twelve. But do you want to go to the Big Twelve with no Texas and Oklahoma in it?
0: Well, I would assume the, the Big card? Twelve dissolves if they leave. I mean, what? How's the Big Twelve stay functioning at that's that a, point?
1: That's a, I mean, I, I, that's a good point. Um, what? But but those schools got to have somewhere to go, don't they? They have to form some kind of new league, I would think.
0: Yeah, might get my, my. Well, I mean, you wonder if or they, that or ends it, up they, making the the super the whole everyone goes super conference at the point, and they just find. You know, they're spotting the Big Ten or the, I don't know where else they go, Pac-12 well, maybe for but, some but, of them.
1: But but if the SEC expands, wouldn't you suspect the ACC expands and the Big Ten looks to expand?
0: Well, that's, that's what I'm saying. I think the Big 12 teams go there as opposed to the Big 12. I don't think the Big 12 could expand at that point right, so and make something f- that's profitable and makes sense in football.
1: All right, so if we think three of the super conferences moving forward would be the SEC, the ACC, and the Big Ten – What's the fourth super conference?
0: Pac-12, right?
1: Okay, so just where because is, where, just something so where, for the West
0: Coast, yeah. So where does that leave USC? It's a good could, question. Could could
1: the Big Ten take them in? Could the ACC take them in?
0: Obviously, that would be the hope. I mean, it's you would hoping you're going to one of those right. two. Again, it'll probably come down to a money thing, and I just don't know that any of us know exactly what the answer to that is in terms of you know what where does uc fall in terms of making money for a conference and and helping that conference's competitive balance and all that will they make sense for an acc or a big 10 if it does go to super conferences because i think that's really their chance if everyone goes to 16 teams that's uc's chances to get into the big 10 or the acc at that point
1: I, I will say they've got to be better situated than some of the, than the most of the other schools in their league.
0: I would you, think you would think, but again, it, it'll be a, a money situation and, and markets and things like that. And I don't know. It's just, it, there's too many variables right now to know exactly right. where they'll fit in because I don't, I don't think based on what we've seen in the past, that they're going to be a clear cut favorite. I don't think no. like, people are dying to to go get UC. So uh, you know, if that was the case, they probably would have joined the Big Twelve already. Like, no, that's right. Last that's time right. when they had, yeah, that's right. The background printed up for it. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I think, I, I, th- I think they're in a tough spot. I really do. Um, for their sake and their fans' sake, I think, you know, in some ways, they may not appreciate what they have right now in the AAC and how much success they're enjoying in the AAC and and the opportunities that are there in both sports, football and basketball, for them right now. Uh, but I also understand in terms of money and, and the long term view that you do want to get into one of those big time conferences. So so we'll see. I mean, that it's been such a, a big topic of conversation for so long in this town. And then it cooled off there for a little while. But it looks like we're headed back towards the conference realignment and shifting talk again here for the next few to several years.
1: Yeah, I, I, and I don't think I, – I think this was as much a trial balloon that was floated up by the schools as anything else to see what the reaction might be. Um, but I do think where there's a lot of smoke where there's concerns, there's, there's got to be some fire behind the possibility of Texas and Oklahoma bolting for the SEC. But
0: yeah, and that was the thing. When they're, like, asking the – I don't know, was presidents or who it was that they were asking the questions to, it's like they, they said straight up, they're like, well, yeah, I mean – college sports is ever evolving at this point. We're always no talking to no, no conferences and talking about our next opportunity. So like they didn't deny anything that these talks have been in the works, which totally makes sense. I mean, I'm sure they're they've talked about it 10 times over the last five years at, at some type of official level, if we're being honest. So it doesn't surprise me that this is happening. And it it would seem that if reports like this are starting to come out, that there is going to be some smoke to it. And, whether it's going to happen right now or not, I don't know, but the, the conversation isn't going away, that's for sure. It's going to heat up over the next no, exactly right several exactly. months to, to years. Yep, agreed. All right, Skinny. Let's get to one last topic here before we get to our betting segment. The NBA finals wrapped up on Tuesday night with the Milwaukee Bucks winning their fourth straight game to take a four-to-two win over the Phoenix Suns. Giannis Anadakumpo winning the finals MVP, which was the only option at that point after the Bucs had won the championship and cut down the Nets. Skinny, what I mean, where do you go with that game, the finals series, that performance from Giannis? What sticks out to you first before I, I get to a few questions I have about it?
1: A couple of things. It, it was so. It, it was interesting that in literally, I think every series that Milwaukee played, it felt like they were on the ropes and in a major way. And Mike Booneholder's an idiot, and Giannis isn't a winner. And yet every time they came through. I mean, this series, everybody felt over at 2-0. I mean, I, I still thought Phoenix was going to win even at two two. I thought they were going to hold serve in their last two home games, and they'd win it four to three. They did not. I think two things here. Uh, so so now Giannis has, he's got his legacy. He's got his title and he did it in Milwaukee and he didn't do it with a super team. Um, and unfortunately, I think you've now seen a little bit of the legacy of Chris Paul of can't get it done when it matters, right or wrong. Can't get it done when it matters.
0: He flat out choked this stat coming from at Statmuse on Twitter. It's Chris Paul's team's blown leads uh, against the Spurs in 2008. His Hornets blew a 2-0 lead in 2013 against the Grizzlies, a 2-0 lead. 2015 against the Rockets, a 3-1 lead. 2016 against the Blazers, he had a broken hand that year. That, they blew, blew a 2-0 lead. Uh, 2018 was the year he had the bum hamstring, blew a 3-2 lead against the Warriors, and now another 2-0 lead against the Bucks. Those are all leads that his teams have blown in the playoffs. He is the first player ever to blow four 2-0 leads in a best-of-seven series in the NBA playoffs. I mean, that's... Like you said, it's never on one guy and it may not be right to talk about him in this way because he's been Mm -hmm. a very good player, but he flat out choked and there is no way around it in this NBA finals. I mean, he was not the best player on the court, but damn close the first two games and looked like a shoe in for finals MVP the way things were going. And then he completely fell off the map the rest of the series and Milwaukee rattled off four straight wins as a result. And it wasn't just that he didn't show up and play well, because I think Phoenix could have survived that in a couple of those games. He was downright bad, especially in big moments, turning the ball over missing technical free throws, missing wide open shots, uh, getting blown by on defense, not being able to stop anybody. I mean, he really just completely fell off.
1: Maybe he needs uncle cliff. Maybe he, maybe he needs maybe he needs a new running mate. I see. I don't think there's I don't think there's coincidence to those numbers you talked about. Right or wrong, it isn't one guy. He's not playing one on five, but he is the point guard, and he is the guy that is in charge on the floor, and he's the one running the show. And somehow, some way, that's a lot of blown series.
0: Yeah, and he's oftentimes been the guy making the most money or close to the most money right. on those teams too. Right.
1: Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it was a legacy. I think we talked about as a legacy defining series. Giannis doesn't have to win another title. I mean, just winning this one with this team shows just how great he is. And obviously the cap it with that 50 point game was ridiculous. Um, you know, the, the the guy is a, a great all around player. Imagine what he could do if he had a jump shot, for goodness sakes. And And the flip side is that Chris Paul's legacy is he can't win the big one. And there's something to be said for that.
0: The Giannis conversation does frustrate me a little bit in the conversation around the Bucks, especially if they want it. It's like everybody, as soon as the clock was winding down there and it was clear that they were going to win, started jumping in with the, oh, you all were idiots talking about Giannis couldn't win and talking about the Bucks weren't going to do it. And coach Bud didn't know how to make adjustments and everything. It's like, well, well, hold on. First of all, Giannis was unbelievable and this run was unbelievable, but I think it was reasonable to look at that Bucs team going into this series, the finals and be like, they're lucky to be here. They caught a break with the nets and the injury situation that they had. And Kevin Durant's toes being on the line for that overtime game, or, you know, they would have been sent home earlier. Like there, I mean, it it brings up this point. If the nets Lakers Clippers were fully healthy, skinny, do you think the Bucs win the NBA championship this year?
1: I don't know. I'm, I'm kind right. of with you on that. No, I, I think that's probably fair. But
0: they, but they, they did. did. And and that, and, th- and they deserve all the credit. It's not and about. Dude, and
1: and, he, and and let's not forget the fact that the dude played hurt for that entire final series with a knee injury. And he had an injury well. that
0: looked gruesome. gruesome. Right. It looked gruesome. And I think most people didn't think he was going to come back from it and be 100%. I don't know if he ever was 100%. He was still unbelievable. And he deserves all that credit. But I think it's almost taking away from how great he was in that final series to have revisionist history here and be like, see, you guys were crazy for talking about the bucks that way. It's like, no, they were one of the weakest looking teams. We had seen entering an NBA final series in a while. They did not look like a proper champion going into that series. They changed that. Giannis changed that. He put on a performance. Unlike maybe we've ever seen in the NBA finals. That was one of the best four game stretches of all time without question in the NBA history, in the finals. And he deserves all the credit for that, but he changed that narrative. And I don't think it was unreasonable heading into that series to think they're lucky to be here. They should be looked at as the underdog. It's maybe tough for them to win it all with Giannis as their superstar. There were questions that needed to be answered. He answered them and it was unbelievable. And it was awesome to watch. I mean, I was betting on the Suns, and, you know, I, I talked about on here how I thought the Suns were the better team. So, obviously, when you start putting takes out there like that, you, you're starting to pull for a team a little bit so you don't look stupid. But I will say we got to a point in that game sometime in the third quarter where I just wanted the Bucks to win because I didn't want that performance by Giannis to be wasted in a game that wasn't remembered for him winning at all right there. You know, it's like this performance yeah, is no, so it's, good it's, it has to be well a legacy yeah. game.
1: Yeah, and it was. I mean, that, that, there's no question. And it's a legacy for both ways, for him and for Chris Ball.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's also setting up a really fun storyline going into next year, and hopefully beyond that with the Bucks and the Nets. You've got the the super team and the dark side versus the did it right with the fun superstar in the Bucks, and now they're going to be clashing for supremacy. It would look like at least well, for the next year, well beyond and, that. And what and
1: what will Phil, and what will Philly do?
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a whole nother conversation, but they, they haven't even earned the right to be in that conversation right now, it feels like, you know, I mean, they're no fair up. It's like the Nets are just there because of the talent, they're clearly so talented. They've got all the stars. And now with the Bucks, what they did, it's like, you know, they've been in the conversation for three years. They kept flaming out early. And uh, and that's, an, you know, that's another point is, I mean, maybe Steph Curry is a good option, but Giannis is one of the first players to ever Like superstars to ever win it before people started turning on him, everyone still likes him. It was really fun to watch him win it. You know, people don't hate him yet, like they did with LeBron, like they did with a lot of those other guys. It's uh, it was really fun to see everybody cheer a guy on when he finally reached the peak.
1: Well, and I think for some of that is he wasn't hunting a ring either. I mean, he oh, of course, yeah. yeah, yeah, I think that's a that's a big part of it. Yeah, I, I I will say, and I'll leave it with this. I still want to see if the Nets thing works if all the guys are healthy. I still don't even know if it will.
0: Agreed. Agreed. It's also really interesting. I mean, they're so talented that they're going to have a chance. They're going to be in the running for yes. sure if they're healthy yes. at all. But um, I, I still
1: want to see that dynamic if it works.
0: I do too, and I have major doubts that a devil ever, ever will result in a championship for them before I'm, it employs. I'm ball
1: dominant. He's ball dominant. He's ball dominant. Well, <laughs> I mean, and you
0: just got goofy-ass personalities. I mean, guys right, that are super right. thin-skinned, guys that are right. very dramatic now i
1: it'll it'll be fascinating for
0: sure. Yeah, no doubt. All right, let's get into our betting segment here and let's circle back real quick to the Reds skinny. We were talking about their struggles here and their odds have changed now to win the NL Central. They're at plus 800 to win the NL Central. Do you see any value there on the Reds now at plus 800?
1: No, I saw a lot of value at 6 to 1 last week. It's gone to 8 to 1. That doesn't sound like it's gone much in the other direction. I think Um, And I did not make that wager, but I think if I would have, I'm not doubling down at this point. I would have just stuck to the six to one and and been okay with it. Um, But no, there's no value to me at eight to one, especially after six to one. No,
0: I'm with you. You'd need to take it to about fifteen to twenty, I think, before I'm starting to talk about this Reds team again and being interested on betting on them. Uh, Also, the website betonline.ag. Has posted updated odds for the 2021 Heisman Trophy winner. And both UC's Desmond Ritter and OSU's CJ Stroud have been given odds after previously being off the board when the initial odds were released in January. Ritter is 33 to 1 to win the Heisman, and Stroud is 10 to 1, which is tied for the third lowest odds. Ritter's 33 to 1 is tied for 15th lowest odds couple of the top guys, JT Daniels from Georgia is five to one. He's the favorite. Then you got Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma at seven to one and Bryce young at Alabama, 10 to one, all three being quarterbacks skinny. What do you think? Uh, Des Ritter 33 to one CJ Stroud 10 to one. Uh, do they yeah, intrigue you? any it, value there? What do you think?
1: Yeah, I, I, I just don't see Desmond Ritter winning the Heisman Trophy. He's, it, it's just not going to happen. Um, I, and I'm trying to figure out why he was off the board back in January. I guess maybe because the thought of him maybe going to the NFL at that point is why. And C.J. Stroud had not won the Ohio State job yet. That's why he was off the board. Um, you know, he was going he was kind of the front runner to win the job and hadn't officially won it at that point. It is funny that C.J. Stroud, who's not thrown a single college pass, he has one rush attempt and he did run for a 48-yard touchdown um, in his career. He is tied for the, for the third lowest odds behind J.T. Daniels and Spencer Rattler, tied with Bryce Young. It shows you how much of a, kind of a system pick that is, right? That, hey, it's the Ohio State quarterback. And obviously he's a highly regarded, you know, quarterback, but he's again, not done a single thing in college football other than one rushing attempt that he's plugged in there at 10 to one. What does that tell you about Ohio State?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it was to tell you about the state of college football and where we've been for years, right? This is pretty typical stuff right here. You you select the quarterbacks from the top yeah. couple teams. Like you've got a couple guys around the country that are coming back that are known commodities, and then you take the young quarterbacks off the next best teams in the country and you've got your Heisman candidates essentially.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to look for any value. I don't see much in JT Daniels at 5 to 1. I don't see much in Spencer Rattler at 7 to 1. I don't see a lot in Bryce Young at 10 to 1. DJ Ugalele from Clemson's 11 to one. Again, there's some system there, but they're going to win a bunch of games. But I, I, the the little I've seen of him, he didn't exactly wow me. Um, Sam Howlett, North Carolina is 14 to one. I see a little value there, but are they going to be better than Clemson? Probably not. Because again, this is some of this is team related too, right? Yeah, there's not a lot. I don't see a lot of value in any of these guys. Well, I really don't. I'd like to say I did, but I don't.
0: Let me dig into the Does Redder conversation just a little bit more. I'm assuming you're just saying there's no way he's going to put up the passing numbers to be in the conversation, right? Is that it?
1: Yeah. The, the one thing I would say, and, and it is 33 to one is, is a little bit enticing. I mean, 20 bucks, get you back 660. And it's just a 20 spot. I mean, there is the outside shot that you see does run the table and does get to the college football playoff. That's... And if they do, I don't think they have to win it for him to win the Heisman. He would certainly be a huge part of what they did to get there. I just think it's going to be. I, I just, I just don't know if he's going to put up enough numbers. But yeah, I mean, again, if it's team related,
0: and it's not. I mean, you, definitely I, you have you, to have the you, numbers, you, but you he will have God numbers if they go undefeated, right? Yeah, I mean, because he's going to put up great rush running numbers. numbers. Yeah, the, the issue is, right. will he pass the ball enough to be in this conversation? And you know, with the style that they play, and the defense should still be pretty darn good. I assume they've got they've got a little more to replace on on defense than on offense, but. I I don't I my guess is he still won't put up the passing numbers to really be in this conversation, but I would maybe be most interested in him at 33 to one out of a lot of these names I'm looking at just because that those are such long odds. And UC has a, a somewhat legit chance to make the playoff. I mean, not not a good chance, I wouldn't say, but a chance.
1: I mean, yeah, if you look at the first five guys on the list, J.T. Daniels, Georgia, legitimate chance to win a national title. Spencer Rattler, Oklahoma, they're perennially in the in the college football playoff. Bryce Young, Alabama, speaks for itself. C.J. Stroud, Ohio State, speaks for itself. And J.J. Ugalde, Clemson, speaks for itself. So, you know, they're banking on guys that are going to be in the college football playoff, and U.C. certainly would be the one kind of potential party crasher to that. Um, and if they are, again, he's a big part of it. So, I, I think I could be talked into it at thirty three to one.
0: Yeah. Probably not a ticket I'm gonna play, but if you're looking to make a Heisman wager and you like playing the local guys, if you're a UC fan and you want a little extra fun there, I, I think I'm in. I can be talked talking Des Ritter as a 33 to one Heisman candidate. If you if you go
1: to Starbucks every day, just save your money for a week. That's about twenty dollars worth. Get you back six sixty with some rooting interest. I, I That's probably worth a shot.
0: Yeah, I mean especially if you're a guy who's gonna be living and dying with every UC football game right. this year. Exactly. It's, exactly. a little more fun into it. So. Yep. yep. All right. Uh, anything else betting wise before we get to a couple of our ask any anything questions? Well,
1: yeah, as you know, I, I've, I've talked about it throughout. I did win some money on the NBA championship, but and, and I told you I went and cashed the ticket yesterday. That's right, yeah, I, I d- It didn't feel bad getting a, a chunk of change back. But when I had to take a ticket that was worth about four hundred and eighty dollars and throw that in the garbage because Phoenix blew it, um, that was kind of hard to swallow because I at two. I, I really thought. I didn't think a sweep was going to take place, mind you, but I didn't think they were going to lose a home game in that series and felt really good at 2 0 that they might even steal. Heck, I was even rooting for to be over in five, you know, steal one in Milwaukee, go back to Phoenix, wrap it up, win the series four to one, go cash my ticket over the weekend. And then instead, I've got to swallow hard and wrap it, you know piling a little ball and toss it in the garbage but can't be disappointed i I, it's one of the few times i actually kind of patted myself on the back for navigating my way to having two teams going off against each other and i was guaranteed to win some money no matter what happened
0: yeah from a betting perspective you nailed the nba playoffs all, all the way around i'm just i've been thinking about how this entire year the basketball takes have been awful Across the spot. (laughs) I mean, you know, I've got the Baylor thing going on, the thing going on during the NCAA tournament. Couldn't have been more wrong. And then this, I mean, yeah, I was talking up the Suns. I thought they were clearly the best team when we got down to the last two. And like you, I was thinking maybe they could get it done in five. If not, they'd win it in six. And instead it was Milwaukee that rattled off four straight, which I just didn't even even after game five, I didn't think it was possible that Milwaukee was gonna win four straight.
1: Right. No, I, I'm I like, I'll make I, this
0: go a seventh game at least, but
1: correct. I, I really believe that I was with you so, and I didn't think they'd lose the seventh game, but is okay. what it is. And again, I hard, hard to be disappointed when you win some money, but it, uh, you know, it's a little disappointing when you could have won more money.
0: Yeah, no, I hear you. It's never, never fun to throw away the bigger ticket. That's for sure. But Hey, you came out ahead. You want, you came out on the positive side for the whole NBA playoffs. And if, if that's what you do, if you don't go broke, if you're not losing money, you got to enjoy it all. That's what we're here for. Like that's why we bet. And I'll be honest with you, I I kind of
1: enjoyed doing it that way cuz it gave me it gave me whole series rooting interest instead of trying to do the the, the grind of day-to-day game betting. I I probably would have lost in the day-to-day game to be honest
0: with you. Yeah, no, I mean that that's a great way to do it. The other thing that I really love and again it's just the whole deal with not having betting legalized in Ohio or Kentucky yet that that sucks is the one game uh, game 4 or no, I guess it was game 5. I went to Indiana and live bet that one. And thankfully I did because I had the Suns before the game at minus two and a half or whatever, but they, they got out to that giant lead. So then it was like, all right, bucks are plus 12 and a half now take bucks at 12 and a half and just kept bouncing back and forth on the quarters and stuff. And so, yeah, it was, uh, I, I I played like four or five different lines, ended up like a hundred bucks ahead for the night overall, you know, just basically came out a little in the positive. But had I just gone and put a bet and then left and watched the game, I would have been out because so, I, I was I was wrong on my yep. predictions beforehand. So, yeah, the live betting did or you, the betting the did, series did you is, do it? Is nice. Did you do it on your app? Yeah. Did you do yeah. it on your app? Yeah, we just went over yeah, okay, to uh, say, the Wings and a Rings. Lot of those
1: guys. Yeah, perfect. Yep, absolutely perfect. That's yeah. why that app's a good thing, my man.
0: It really is. I you can't, can't wait till it's it. here it in Ohio. Thing.
1: No, I'm, I'm with you. Yep, agreed.
0: All right, let's get into a little Ask Skinny Anything here to wrap it up. Quick segment here, uh, and it starts with our guy, Brad, who wants to circle back to the Reds real quick. He said, Skinny, should we all just accept the inevitable and admit that being a Reds fan will forever be a dark, sinking hole of sadness with no chance of redemption?
1: <laughs> yes, just being a Cincinnati sports fan in general. Right.
0: I, I, you're not I wrong say, for feeling that way. That's for damn sure.
1: No, Correct. And it, it's not like Bob Castellini has made good on his promise to bring championship baseball back to Cincinnati. They did have that little window of, of fun in the early 2010s, um, you know, going to the playoffs, but didn't win a series. And, you know, since then we've had the great rebuild going on now, what eight years. And all we've got to show for it is a 31 and 29 team that made the playoffs in an expanded playoff season. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I, I think you're at that stage where kind of like the Bengals, you're, you're rooting for some level of ownership change. I mean, really. And with the Bengals, we know that's not going to happen. So with the Reds, we've seen it happen. So maybe it will happen. That's the only thing I think I can hang my hat on if I was a Reds fan at the moment.
0: What a positive, flowery outlook that is.
1: Yeah, no, (laughs) Just wait
0: for a change of ownership.
1: (laughs) Yep, yep. Maybe maybe much like the Bengals, they'll start coming up with some hokey uh, campaigns as well.
0: Yeah. Ring the bell. I love it. Ring the bell. Yep.
1: (laughs) Nick at night oh no, nick, nick 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 goes night night because he's gonna leave he's <laughs> gonna be traded out of the city rule the jungle give me a freaking break clown show
0: you you love the catchphrases that's really good it, it's, um, a, it's just it's
1: just, it's the silliest thing ever did you read did you read the the, the the accompanying email with that by the way
0: i i got through like a couple sentences before i was like oh god i can't do that i did you I can't did, do did you radio laugh radio. or roll your eyes Exasperation. I mean, rolling my eyes. I, I, I can't do the team release stuff like that. It's like, let that stuff happen organically. Like start using it and make it a thing that the fans catch on to on their own. Never send out the press release of like, this is our new thing, guys. Let's get behind it. <laughs> it never works out. Yeah,
1: exactly. That no, of course not. It's silly. Yeah, here, here it is. Today, we set the tone for the 2021 season as we launch our new campaign. Rule the jungle. Rule the jungle signifies the high standards and energy we expect to see on the field, in the stands, and in all areas of our organization. Rule the jungle is a mentality that displays our confidence and strength. Rule the jungle is the feeling of exuberance each fan will feel on game day, like a queen or king sitting on a throne. I sit on a throne every morning as we celebrate together in a stadium that is back to full capacity to rule is powerful. Great empires are built by the. Give me a break.
0: It always takes me back to the day where we got the Bengals explaining what run on your own gas means. Yes. Like that yeah. was an all time press release day too. <laughs> it's, this stuff is just so, so I, I understand you come up and there is some value in a marketing meeting to being like, Hey, here's our North star. Here's what we're shooting for us. What our we want our brand to be about? This is our mission statement. Like that type of thing. There can be some value into getting everybody that's employed in your organization on the same page and kind of having something, there in writing you don't let people see that stuff you don't send it out to your fans and and tell them your mission statements that they like oh, that sounds so silly and corny and seize the day
1: Man, they just didn't quite seize that day How's it's a new day
0: people to get behind that right it's, it's silly just exactly. silly All right. uh, People did want to talk a little uh, Olympic action here. So Bud says, have either of you ever covered an international event like the Olympics? I certainly haven't. I don't know about you, Skinny.
1: No, I have not. Um, But I do remember um, a couple of colleagues when I was at the post that got a chance to go. And and, um, really, I think, enjoyed the experience, the, the whole thing, not only the work part of it, but just the experience of a different. Did they go to Beijing? I think they went to Beijing. I believe yeah. that's where I believe they went to Beijing to cover and, and one went to Australia to cover. So I have, I've had friends that have done it, but I I have not done it. I'm not a big Olympics guy, but I do think the experience of that would be kind of cool.
0: I I got some bad news for the people that are going to this one. It ain't going to be nothing like, no, it's been that's in right. The past because you are in a lockdown in your hotel room. Yep. The bars are closing at like 6 p.m. You're not allowed to go out to them as an outsider. So like, yeah, it's going to be. Uh, you're going to be ordering alcohol from some type of app service and getting it dropped off at your hotel door and having the bellman deliver it to you, I think. And that's about all you got.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, that, that is that is going to be uh, kind of
0: a disappointing experience for sure. Yeah. Um, and he also asked, what are some of your favorite sports you forget exist until the Olympics come around? Skinny, you got any favorite Olympic sports that you otherwise forget exist?
1: See, but most of mine are for winter. I, I mean, like curling bobsled. Um, I don't forget them, I guess, but those are some of my favorite. I love curling. I don't know why I love curling. It's just such a it just looks like it takes absolutely zero talent to be a good curler. I want to be I want to be the broom guy. Are you an Olympic guy in general
0: or do you not? No, not at I, all.
1: I, 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 I like some of the track and field. I used to like the boxing um, because that's when you started to see some of the up and coming guys that were going to eventually be be pros. That's where they kind of got their feet wet. Um, I like some of that. I, I honestly, I like the I liked the basketball until the dream. Te- I, I like what the dream team did, which was basically say, "Listen, if we want to put our best out there. No chance for you guys." But otherwise, basketballs kind of lost its zeal. I we're sending second. I mean, Todd Frazier's playing on the Olympic team for God's sakes in baseball. I mean, how good can that team be? And if they beat people, how bad can those teams be then? For goodness sakes um so yeah i mean i, I don't need and i, I don't need, i don't need golf i love golf as you know i've said it a thousand times i don't need golf in the olympics i i, I think the olympics to me was always the sports that were, were kind of the ones that are forgotten you amalgamate them for a couple of weeks and we get to see them again i do like some of the swimming stuff um that's there's just not it just doesn't do much for me i don't it, it's i don't it just doesn't
0: will you uh watch any of the olympic soccer action
1: um nope okay no, no. It's funny. I do like the World Cup, but I won't. yeah, no, I'm not going to.
0: Uh, so my uh, my girlfriend was a soccer player. My fiance right. now, I guess, was a soccer player. So it's, it's She gets into it. She actually woke up the other day at 4:30 a.m. for that three 0 shellacking they yep. got put in on Sweden. Them, and she was in there cussing this goalkeeper <laughs> out. And all I was thinking was like, Look, I don't want to hear anything. When I'm sweating out a second a half over in college football this fall. Cause like she was all I know is when she dropped a Aubrey Bledsoe would never let this happen. I knew it was time to like just keep it quiet and stay in here to myself because she meant business at that point. That's funny. When you bring up Aubrey Bledsoe, you're not messing around anymore. You're you're uh, pretty pissed. So uh yeah, also on the Olympic tip. Ben wants to know what's one yard game that should be an Olympic sport? Cornhole, spike ball, can jam, Beersby. I don't know can. What is can jam? Can jam is a great game. You've got two. uh Looks kind of like mini garbage can type deals, and they've got a okay. uh, opening in the top and a slot kind of uh, maybe six inches down on the front of them. And you've got a frisbee, and you're throwing it. You've got a teammate on the other side. You're throwing the frisbee at the trash can thing. If you hit it on the fly, you get one point Your and your teammate, by the way, can tip it in. So your teammate can try to tip it into the top or tip it into the trash can touches the trash can. It gets one in the trash can. It gets three. And if you throw it in the slot in the front, somehow you win the game automatically right there. It sounds and like an interesting game. Yeah, it's uh it actually gets pretty intense. It's It's pretty good. I like can jam. It's good, you know, beer in one hand, throw a frisbee with the other and, and play type game. I would probably say cornhole has the best chance of actually I I making it as an Olympic sport. Like people are I mean, really made- good at it, and it's been a it's been an ESPN thing for a while.
1: Right? Now. Like, I was gonna say now if I'm not, don't some colleges play spike ball?
0: I think so. That's gotten really popular. It feels like recently. I th- I, you I, see I it on I every saw- beach now. Whenever yeah, I go. thought
1: I saw that on ESPN
0: not too long ago. That sounds right. I mean, that's that takes a lot of athleticism. Actually, it does. I mean, you, it you, does. I
1: I could see that and since it is a college sport. I, I could see spike ball and cornhole.
0: Yeah, I think it, cornhole has the best chance. I think spike ball might be the most fun.
1: Yeah, cornhole cornhole. When I watch it, I know that I know actually one of the guys that that does it, um, who's a regular Matt guy, is from Campbell County, and he's on there all the time um, on the cornhole that's on ESPN. So I watch it just for him on occasion, but it's not the most riveting thing to watch.
0: No, it's not. I I I will say like. I used to kind of be out on cornhole, but I've come full circle and I'm kind of back in on cornhole again. I'm, I've am i really enjoyed it as I start to get older and, and go to more like of the here's the thing. You get to a certain age and everything you do with friends is all the same. Like you're all just standing around at someone's house for various reasons and drinking and talking. Correct. So I've kind of enjoyed like when people have cornhole, it's like at least there's something else to do here.
1: Yeah, Cornell and, and, and there's another couple's house that we go to a lot of times and, and they'll have a bunch of people. He's got a ping pong. I'm a big ping pong guy.
0: I'll admit I'm kind of uh, down on ping pong a little bit because my dad's really good at ping pong. So I really? never really wanted to lose my debt to my dad at stuff growing up. So I think yeah, I we, kind we, of avoided a, it for that reason.
1: We had a table in my basement, so we played it when I was a kid. So I played ping pong a bunch.
0: Yeah. See, you're like your era and a little bit, a little bit younger than you, too, like, you guys all had game rooms and stuff coming up. You know what you guys would Correct. hang out when Correct. you were in college and stuff. You would hang out in a game room. So you guys were good at things like foosball and uh,
1: I never liked foosball, but I, but air hockey, air, yeah, air hockey
0: is yeah, another good one. Ping pong, the pool. You guys were good at stuff like that. So yeah, I, I never let myself get hustled by a dude in his like forties to sixties because that you guys all are about that life.
1: Yeah. That's a good call. That's a good call.
0: All right, your girl, Lindsay, wants. she wants to know, Lindsay wants to know, how does Skinny feel about all-star announcement shows?
1: Oh, boy. Oh, my word. I hate him. Oh, that 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 Major League Baseball one was painful to watch. In fact, I think I tweeted this out and I tweeted at him and I feel bad. Um, I was just so frustrated because I was trying to write a story on it, and get it up on our website as soon as possible. And I'm waiting for them to, to analyze every guy that was named. I think I, in fact, I know I did. I tweeted out because Lindsay screenshotted it and sent it to me and, s- and said, how do you really feel? I said, I'm at the stage of this all-star selection show where I just want to punch Tim Kirkjian in the face, dot, dot, dot. And I actually enjoy his work is what I said. So I really got to that level of frustration. Those things are just a waste. Just, just, let's just roll them out and be done with it. Do we need did a show for that?
0: Did Tim Kirkjian reply?
1: I don't think so. I, I've, in fact, it was kind of when I was on, I was getting, I might've been on vacation, but I, I, I worked that night anyway, just to make sure we had something up on it. Um, he may have, I will say my friend Paul Dainer said from now on, whenever he disses somebody on Twitter, he's going to, he's going to end it with dot, dot, dot. But I really enjoy their work. <laughs> that,
0: I mean, that is a great way to do it. You know? Yes. Yeah, I
1: didn't, I, 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 I didn't want to make it be like, I don't like Tim Curry. It was just at the stage where I don't need any more analysis from him. And I want to punch him in the face. Just get on with this damn thing. Yeah, but you really like his work. I do enjoy his work. I'm a big <laughs> fan. I I enjoy listening to I Analyze Baseball. I enjoy his writing. I just I was at that stage of that show where five minutes into it, I was done with it. Let's just name these cats and be done with it. Let's go.
0: I like I like that. I think I'm going to use that as well going forward. Whenever I just blast someone, it'll, it'll be almost like the, yeah. the Tom but- Brenneman and there's a deep drive into left field by... Nick is like that's just how I'm gonna trail off when I'm when I'm thrashing someone online from now on. It's just like dot dot dot. But I really enjoy their work. So, yeah, Man, no, I
1: can't say that about John Sadek. I don't. I don't really enjoy his work.
0: Do, that brings up a, a, another question I have, just in general. Do you have any memorable uh, interactions with like national media members online or anything? They've gone sideways. Yeah,
1: I don't. No, I don't go. Yeah, I don't go sideways with much. I I, I will say that the. the the one guy I used to always enjoy and it used to be a be, you know, college basketball anytime something happened because he would always answer the phone. And if you needed a quick quote, he would always give it to you is Dick Vitale. Um, really? He, he was that amazing. Surprises like that. Me. Yeah. Oh yes. Oh, he was He was awesome. awesome.
0: Although, although it really shouldn't because uh, there was a time that he was down in Florida watching a high school basketball tournament and I was covering the high yep. school sports beat in Kentucky and Cov Cath ended up winning it. So I texted him real quick. Yep. I said, I "Hey, what do you that. think of uh, Nick Russet's Cov point guard?" And he gave he gave me a quote right back there on Twitter. So you're right. Absolutely. I really shouldn't think. No, that. absolutely. He, he was very accessible. No, uh, he he
1: was he was he was awesome.
0: I, I do have one that was was kind of funny. There was one game where the Bengals were playing and Spiro Didis was calling it, and this was a handful of years ago. And there were like two or three plays where he called something that just flat out in no way, shape or form happened. Like there was one where he called a flea flicker. He, he called the play a flea flicker and it was nothing of the sort. Like there was never a handoff. There was like, it was bizarre that he would have just not, he clearly didn't see what happened. And then he guessed, but he guessed flea flicker. Like, why would you, think the most exotic play in the playbook would happen if you didn't see what happened right so I tweet something yeah, yeah. of, and I don't tweet it at him I just say is Spiro watching this game or I don't even know if I said his name I think I might have just said is you know play-by-play guy on this Bengals game even watching or something like that and next thing I know game ends about 45 minutes later and Spiro had just done a, a search for Bengals whoever they were playing or his name or something, he sees the tweet and he's in my DMS. Like as someone who works in this business, you should know how hard it is to, to do this and, and not be talking bad about someone else. And I was like, well, you might be right. Sorry. Well, like
1: thin skin man.
0: Yeah. I was like, you might well, be right. Mr. Thin skin. Like I shouldn't be, shouldn't be bad mouthy. But I was like, honestly, I just, it was wild. I didn't see how you could possibly have come up with those calls when they flat out didn't happen. He's like, well, I happened to be looking down at my play sheet. I, I missed it. But uh, I was like, right. So, I mean, basically what we're saying is I'm right here. Like, you just weren't watching the yeah, game. Right. You flat out blew it on like two or three calls that were just bizarrely bad. I don't feel like I was in the wrong there. I'm like, yeah, okay. I'm sorry for bad mouthing you, but I'd probably do it again next time. If you if you and, randomly and I would say something and I would say a this, flea flicker that didn't happen, I'm going to be like, what is this guy watching? That's fair.
1: And you know what's funny? I would say about him, dot, dot, dot. I actually enjoy his work. <laughs>
0: you know what i would I say I, da, really, da, I, I, da? I do not enjoy his work i do not think he's good at all okay yeah
1: no i do i, I like spirit I, I'm, I'm fine with it but yeah
0: yeah that sounds very thin-skinned to me Woo. that being said how am i gonna like that guy now after he did that like i can never respect or take that guy seriously Th- this wasn't
1: an online one but this is actually two years ago this is just a, a random meeting Um, I was going down to the, uh, to the, to the locker room after Bengals game. And, and we had to hold the elevator for a second because the CBS crew was getting on and Dan Fouts got on. And I don't know if you've seen the, 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 the one where the NFL films were, uh, I think they were the lost rings team that, you know, those, those teams of San Diego that were really good. And obviously part of that was the, the loss to the Bengals in 81. And he goes in this rant on the NFL films thing. He said, yeah, just a miserable day. The weather was awful. We lost. And then to make matters worse, we're sitting in the airport, in the Cincinnati airports in Northern Kentucky, in a county. It's in Boone County. And on Sundays, and this is true back in the day, back in the 80s, um, before they changed the law, alcohol was not allowed to be sold in Boone County on Sundays. And so he goes in this whole thing about sitting here in the in Boone County, and in Boone County on a Sunday, you ain't getting no beer in Boone County. Kind of depressed. So <laughs> he got on. I said- <laughs> i said uh, dan not that you really care to know this but i just want to let you know i'm from boone county and he just laughed out loud he goes i said that was one of my favorites of all time he goes and it was true i go oh i know it was i said i, li- I actually live in boone county and i know that for a fact he goes and it sucked trust me <laughs> so that's, that's pretty, pretty good. good i'll give him credit for that yeah
0: that's pretty yep, good yep all right well that's uh that's all i got
1: All right, good stuff. I appreciate it. We'll be back uh, next week with another podcast edition for Rick Roaring. I'm Richard Skinner. It's been the Skinny Podcast, the weekly potpourri edition.